Welcome to the Mastering the Game of Life podcast. In this podcast, there'll be insights around three key areas to mastering the game of life. Purpose, prosperity, philanthropy. Your host, Paul Lowe, the third sector mentor, is the founder of Hearts Global CIC, which along with many other of his charitable commitments, has been responsible for positively impacting thousands of people's lives, particularly young people from disadvantaged communities. Author of Mastering the Game of Life, From Pain to Purpose, and Speaking from Our Hearts books. Introducing your host, Paul Lowe. Hello listeners and welcome to this Mastering Life podcast where it is my pleasure to uh, welcome back Mark Hoy for all the way from Tucson, Arizona. Mark, a very warm welcome to you. Thank you so much, Paul. It's great to be here. Fantastic for having me. Thank you. And um, okay, so on the uh, the last episode that we did with you, Mark, which was episode 60, it was about, it was about your book, Lasting Happiness. For the benefit of the viewers which that may not have listened to that particular episode yet, can you just give us a brief sort of over over camp overview of of what your lasting happiness book was all about? Absolutely, I'd be happy to do that, Paul. Thank you. Um, in a couple of words, uh, my book, Lasting Happiness, is basically a collection of tools and techniques so that you can build a really happy life. And there's a lot of books out there on happiness. Um, a lot of discussion of the subject, obviously, people spend their lives searching for it. But the book is basically, to put it in a real nutshell, it's a summation of my experiences, and which were kind of horrific. And um, it's about relationships, really, and the discovery that I made while in Thai prison that we don't need very much to be happy, actually. Um, happiness comes from healthy relationships with yourself, with others in the world around you. And as long as you have three things in your life, if you've got love, meaning, and creativity in those different relationships, you're gonna have a happy life. So that's the essence of the book. And um, the book just gives you the tools that you need to make that happen and make it real. And so that's kind of an overview there, and ho hopefully that sums things up for readers. So or pardon me, listeners, so they can, uh, uh, you know, give it some consideration. Yeah, thank you, Mark. I mean, um, and I know we touched upon it briefly uh, on that um, episode 60, Mark, around your loving, your meaning, your creativity. And, and you alluded to actually um, the very first podcast I did, which was around ABC and the C standing mm -hmm. for creativity. Um, mm -hmm. And the, the loving, really, in many respects, um, is, is kind of was wrapped up in one of my three pillars of life uh, models where it was around purpose, mm -hmm. around prosperity, and around philanthropy. And so mm -hmm. I wrapped up, I put the ABC um, with the three pillars, put the two together. And I think what we've got there, Mark, from having read your book again, is actually your loving meaning creativity. It's kind of an amalgam of the two is the mm -hmm. way I perceive this. So I find that very interesting. Mm. Yeah, it's a, it's an, it is, there's a lot of analogy there. There's a lot of overlap and, and crossing. I think it just has, uh, boiling it down to um, mnemonic devices, really, a way, to, a way to make it easy for people to remember stuff. And uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. Your three pillars encapsulate and incorporate the same uh, basic material, which is, um, you know, you talk about purpose, which is just another word for meaning. And um, prosperity, of course, is bringing in and, and making a rich, satisfying life. Uh, all of those elements, absolutely. Uh, they're intertwined. And uh, we're really talking about the same stuff. Yeah, no question. Yeah. Um, just on that prosperity one, Mark, if I may, I just want to share Wikipedia's definition because I think, talk about an umbrella statement, and mm -hmm. I've yet to find one better, and I've tried to really research this, but it kind of wraps up where I come from and you under the same umbrella. And I quote verbatim, prosperity is the, is the state of flourishing, thriving, good fortune, or successful social status. Mm -hmm. Prosperity often encompasses wealth, but also includes other factors which can be independent of wealth to varying degrees, such as happiness and health. That's a perfect mm -hmm. definition for us to individually and collectively, Mark, is it not? It is. It is. It's Yeah, absolutely. And it is, um, I think that's really the state that we seek, really, that we, we're looking for a life 
that is fulfilling and satisfying, but also free of want, free of need, and that we're, we're content with and satisfied with. And um, it's, it's a very difficult thing for most people to find. Uh, it's very elusive. And that's what uh, I'm hoping that I can share with people that it's not that hard to actually create. Um, you just have to focus on the right things. That's the, that's the heart of it. Is it elusive, Mark, to use your words? Because from an early age, we're kind of conditioned to, well, not, certainly not consciously, but we put barriers, I call them sticking plasters in the way, where we get all these labels as we go through life, this inverted commas, advice from people that know better, um, you know, most of the time from a good place, our parents, for example, um, but they only know what they know, and that doesn't make it right, does it? No, it. I, you're absolutely. You hit on something crucial there, and that that is something that really um, people don't focus on enough. And it really boils down to your awareness again, to your consciousness. And what sticks in the way of most people, and the reason that I I use the term elusive, is just because people don't. Their own mind blocks them. Um, they're they're convinced of things that do not bring happiness and that's what they chase and they fill their lives with things that don't bring happiness and then are wondered why what you know they wonder why they're they're not satisfied they wonder why they're unhappy and why they're not uh, feeling fulfilled and it really comes down to that awareness and that consciousness to where you really uh, examine your belief systems and examine the things that you hold to be uh, your values and your truths. And if you're willing to do that, then you can open that door to where you can create a, a really truly satisfying and prosperous life because you're going to start focusing on the things that really bring happiness and that create a meaningful, satisfying life rather than so many of the goals that society puts out there, or even as you mentioned, authority figures like per parents and, uh, bosses and who knows what else but uh, these are almost contradictory in many ways because what society puts out there as being the ideal does not bring happiness oh i mentioned this over and over again I'm, I'm sure when you read the book you you run across it repeatedly is that wealth fame power the youth beauty these things don't have anything to do with happiness they have nothing to do with it at all you get a temporary boost in mood you get a temporary mood elevation no question at all from status symbols and from uh, you know ego stroking and that kind of stuff is great for you but it doesn't bring lasting happiness what brings happiness is focusing on the things that really matter to you the things that bring you pleasure and the things that you enjoy doing and surrounding yourself with people that you like and you love. And if you have that, then you're going to be happy. And if you don't, you're not. So you could have every yacht and mansion and, uh, you know, a house filled with servants and so on and so forth and all of these toys and be miserable. And we are surrounded in our public life by people that exemplify this. And uh, when you look at celebrities and the unhappy personal lives they have, that, that is that is the essence of my message is that these things that society tells us to chase no no just put that away you know take a deep breath and step aside from that whole structure of ideas and beliefs that people are pushing on you and really sit down with yourself and say what do i like what do i enjoy doing what makes me happy what would i like to spend my time on and that's where you begin to find the things that build a happy life it's as simple as that and it is yeah and you know i totally agree it is as simple as that so i mean we've kind of alluded to it and touched upon it briefly mark around you know these this conditioning and, and i kind of want to come at it from another angle but i'm struggling to come at it from another angle why if it is that simple and it is absolutely that simple because it's within us already we don't have to as you quite rightly say search externally for what i term silver trinkets you know the nice mm -hmm. new gleaming mm -hmm. car that could come that could go you know mm -hmm. the the prowess of youth with time will go you know right uh, right I've heard so many inverted commas beautiful women say i've lost my looks i've lost my body now um, you know, these things come and go, come and go don't they? Uh, a bit like they the do. sunshine. Um, 
you know, nature, she has her way and she will not be dictated to by mere mortals called human beings. <laughs> um, Very true. But so what is the big, I mean, is it ego? Um, you know, we've already said about limiting beliefs, Mark, and mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, and conditioning, but I, I feel that there's got to be something because it's so powerful within us to actually, it can't be that simple, can it? Well, what this is what this is the big thing that we oftentimes forget and lose sight of because it's such an inbred part of us. And you mentioned childhood and absolutely crucial is that seeking of approval that that is really the block and or the one of the main stumbling blocks is that we oftentimes um, we can't help it. We when we're when we be as we begin as infants and we seek the approval of others as a part of a survival strategy and that's built in and if society takes that and uses that and it uses it in a million different ways and so that's that seeking of approval whether conscious or not uh, dictates our behavior so whether it's the approval of your peers who if you're not driving the right car if you're not wearing the right clothes if you're not behaving the proper way there's that subtle and sometimes not so subtle disapproval where oh no you're not meeting the group norms and therefore you're not one of the in crowd or you're not whatever you know you're not you're not part of your peer group uh, there's the approval of the authorities and they're saying listen if you don't pay your taxes if you don't have health insurance if you don't have this long list of things then you're not a proper member of society and there's a whole bunch of uh, problems that have come with that and then there's the approval of your loved ones and they have their pressures where they're like well we want this and we need that and we need that and therefore you've got to go out and get it for us um, then there's the approval and so you see what i'm saying the list yeah. goes on and on whether it's marketers uh whether it's uh i mean there's just a huge list of different uh pressure points on most people and what it really comes down to is if you're willing to be different if you're willing to just stick your feet down on the ground and say, you know what, I don't care. What matters is whether I'm happy. What matters is whether my life is satisfying and your stuff doesn't matter. And if you're willing to take that step, if you're willing to take that courageous position and really stick by it and begin to apply it so that you reprioritize your life that's where it begins and most people um, never even see the cage they never even are able to see that this is what traps them that they're always seeking the approval of others and in doing so the approval of others in other words the goals of others and the ideas about what is important that is what is you know the focus of your life so you're really chasing things that are not going to ever bring you happiness or fulfillment you're fulfilling the needs of others and you're putting those needs above you now there's many cultures around the world uh, right off the top of my mind china and japan come to mind where the group is more important than the individual and there's no question that the way that they look at the world their culture is that you do subsume your own interests to better support the group and um, the problem of course is that that you know that's the extreme end of the expect of the spectrum of behavior um, in the west we have the opposite view that the individual has priority and the individual is supreme but wherever you fall on that spectrum in your own society or in your own life um, it does take courage to uh, set aside and not seek the approval of others and begin to consult your own experience, consult your own intuition and come up with your own answers and reprioritize your life. And I think that's why it's so difficult, Paul, is that people don't do that and they don't see it. They don't understand it. And then if they did perceive it, they might be like, whoa, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. You know, I'm not sure if I could really do that. Do I dare, uh, you know, incur the, uh, you know, the mockery potentially of, of those around me? Do I dare to, uh, you know, not abide by the rules that the neighbors think are great? I don't know. So, but you don't, I don't think it has to be so stark a choice as that. I think that you can transform your life without worrying the neighbors or without upsetting your loved ones. But certainly you do have to be conscious that that is the way forward that you have to be willing to be a little bit different and to reprioritize reprioritize the things in your life to 
uh, bring in those things that are truly important to you and not spend time on the things that aren't. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of things there, Mark, isn't there? I mean, first, by definition, if you dance into somebody else's tune, it's not your music. Right, That's an obvious one. Um, you know, and then the other one is to, well, actually, oh, so I'm going to create my own tune and I'm going to dance to my own music. Um, people don't like that, do they? I mean, I've been labelled for most of my life, Mark, uh, as, you know, antisocial, awkward, mm-hmm. misfit, mm-hmm. contrary. Mm-hmm. And my simple right. retort has been, why? Because I don't dance when you play your tune. That's the only right. reason. right. Um, and I think that's a great reflection, certainly from the countless conversations I've had with people in general, not just around this this uh, topic of happiness, Mark, but in life in general. It's, mm-hmm. you know, people, as you, you use the right word, absolutely, that acceptance and need to fit in and need to to belong. Um, you know, mm-hmm. there was a spate of uh, sickening football violence um, in the UK, in the particularly in the 60s, 70s, and to a, a lesser extent in the 80s. I mean, it's not prevalent nowadays the way it was. But part of that culture was that tribal, I need to belong, I need to be accepted. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously meeting Absolutely. that human need in a totally destructive manner, but... The right. point is, you know, it, it was exactly as you what you call acceptance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people need that um, sense of belonging. Um, again, it ties into some very, very deep evolutionary roots there. Um, we really, loneliness kills people. Mm. Um, and, and being alone kills people. Um, stress, the stress of not having social relationships is deadly. Um, there's so many medical studies on this that I won't even there's no need to even discuss it really honestly any any children in orphanages for example if they're not touched they die literally and um child people that are raised without love um they're just absolutely miserable so um you know the death rates just skyrocket but for for example people with heart attacks if you don't have a spouse or an animal in your house and you've had a heart attack your chances are six times as high that you'll die of your next heart attack as people that have a spouse or a dog, uh, a cat. And um, so that, that absence of connection, that lack of belonging, that feeling that you're outside the group uh, certainly has a huge, immense impact on people. And um, it's a major factor in social control. And it, you have to find that balance where find those things that matter, find the things that really do bring you pleasure and joy and begin bringing them into your life in a way where you're not necessarily challenging uh, group norms or where you're not violating your sense of belonging. Um, there is a fine line there, but it, it you do have to do that with an awareness that you're not going to be, um, you know, a follower anymore. You that, that really is at the core of it. And many people fear that many people fear taking control of their life and taking responsibility for their life. And that is the other side of the coin. So if you really are willing, if you really do want to have a happy, fulfilling life, you can have it, but you need to be willing to have the courage to be a little bit different and to accept that you're going to have to begin with taking responsibility for your life and making choices for yourself. You can no longer put that out there on somebody else and say, well, uh, yeah, I may not be happy, but I'm, I'm, I am doing what, you know, Joe X told me to do. And therefore I don't have to think about it anymore. (laughs) And so that's the, that's the trade-off. And for many people, I think that's what keeps them uh, from achieving what they want to achieve because they just are not willing to take that responsibility. They're not willing to make that step and say, yeah, you know what, this is something I want and I'm going to do it. And I don't give a damn what somebody else says, you know, that's really what you have to do. Yeah, absolutely. Is it oversimplifying it, Mark, to say that it's a question of find your purpose? Finding your purpose, I, no, I, I wouldn't say it's oversimplifying, but I would say that, it, that that is one thread 
um, among a tapestry, really. Finding your purpose and finding meaning is, is absolutely vital uh, to a satisfying life, no question whatsoever. But you do also need some other things with it. And, and that's why I start with love. Mm. And um, you, you, of course, you know, embracing your heart, you, you encapsulate this, you incorporate this absolutely as a core principle as well. Yeah. And that, that really is where it must begin. Because as, I, as we talked about last time, for many, many people, I would even say a majority, self-love is something they don't have. And they're not loving towards themselves and people do not take care of themselves and people do not do the things that are necessary to have a healthy relationship with themselves. And if you don't love yourself and you don't care about yourself, it's impossible by definition for you to care really about other people. You just can't. You have to take care of yourself first. You have to have a healthy relationship with yourself first. That's why for me, love is such a vital part that that's where the work begins uh, is developing a healthy relationship with yourself. And that means a loving relationship with yourself, which is love. It's not the people, again, you make those choices and uh, people are making the wrong choices. That's what keeps them from happiness. Philanthropy. Mark, what's what's your views around philanthropy in general, and particularly, um, well, yeah, let let me park it, yeah, in general terms first, and I'll come to a more specific angle in terms of happiness on the back of that, if I may. Mm -hmm, of course, I think that word brings to mind, um, for me, uh, a much broader term, um, but it, it's still the same thing, which is giving, yeah, and sharing, and again absolutely vital to healthy relationships is that give and take and uh, if you're willing to open your heart and give and share and again we go back to you know it ties in perfectly with uh, the other threads that we've uh, raised talked about if you're giving what matters to you if you're sharing what you're passionate about that is the key and that to me is what philanthropy represents, is to be able to give and share what matters and is important to you. And if you're able to do that, wow, you have a really powerful outsized influence in people's lives that you're touching because very few people do uh, reach out that way. There's a big, um, I'd say a very substantial minority of people um, around the world and certainly in the first world that um, volunteer and do charitable work. And that is, um, I think, emblematic of what we're talking about. I think those are the kind of people that have grasped what we're talking about and really seized it and said, yeah, this is just fantastic and, and uh, make a big change in their world. And um, that's kind of what we're pointing towards, I think, when we talk about philanthropy and giving, um, that uh, reaching out to others and making an impact in their life in a positive way. And so that's my kind of take on philanthropy. And I'm sorry I rambled on a little bit. No, not at all, Mark. <laughs> no, no, honestly, not at all. Um, I mean, just on the back of that, and yeah, again, this comes from Wikipedia. I almost kind of semi semi apologize for that. I don't know why I should. Um, but, but no, that's again, fine. They're good. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this one is particularly, I mean, certainly the prosperity in this um, one about my third pillar, philanthropy, and I quote yet again verbatim, comes from the Greek word meaning love of humanity. Mm -hmm. It is an effort or inclination to increase the well-being of humankind as by mm -hmm. charitable aid or donations. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. your, your book, Lasting Happiness, and, and its very practical focus, Mark, is, is to me is a... I believe, a significant donation, isn't it? I would hope so. I, You know, what I'm trying to do, um, and I, I don't hold any, you know, I, I'm, I'm not going to try and pretty this up. I really do want a better world, and I work, I'm working very hard on making that happen. Uh, mm. our, our world and our societies, they're just really, really sick. They're really troubled in many ways. And um, it all boils down to that, that we have made some choices that I think are not wise. 
And I, so what my hope is with this book, I want to reach as wide an audience as possible in the hope that this can transform things, that people can shift their, their priorities, that they'll shift their awareness towards rebuilding a good relationship with themselves and the people around them. And if they were willing to do that in a significant way, if there's a large number of people that did that, it would transform the world and it would make the world a paradise. It's not without uh, precedent and it's certainly not, uh, I mean, it is possible. It could be done. And um, when you look at societies that are healthy, there are some actually, um, there are communities that are healthy that embrace these principles. And when you uh, kind of peer at them, you see um, like the, well, I, we, will, we'll, we can get to that at a later stage, but the this essence of it is really that I'm hoping that with this book, that I'm going to make an impact on the way people prioritize their lives. That's my real hope. And so, yeah, it is a gift. It is a donation. And I mean, it's, it's a hope that it will change the world. It's a real prayer almost that I can reach enough people that they will see that this materialistic path that we're traveling in the West doesn't lead to where they want to be. And it, where it's leading is towards the destruction of the natural world and towards grave unhappiness and, and misery. And uh, when you look at all the long laundry list of problems that beset our society, and I won't get people down by going over that laundry list, but most people instantly recognize it. Um, you can see that we're not a happy society. Uh, you can see that people are not happy. And that is my hope that we can transform that just by raising people's awareness. So would you say that that's actually your mission or has become your mission, Mark? Yes, yes, it has, no question. And therefore, I'm, I'm very fortunate. Um, there's a huge number of people that are, you know, dedicated to the same essential principles. Um, I mean, you could, I could go on literally uh, for days uh, naming all of the different prominent people that work really hard towards achieving this. Mm. Um, I think that they're just focusing on like little slices of it. Like, for example, somebody that I, I really, really have a, an immense regard for, Naomi Klein. And um, she's kind of focused in on that climate change thing. Um, same exact principles, absolutely same vision, but kind of focused on the climate change thing. Um, another one's Paul Hawken, who is a very, very well-renowned um, environmental activist. And he's kind of more devoted on the civil society stuff. And he's devoted on groups that are working towards social justice and environmental justice. Uh, but again, same principles, same kind of thing, same vision for the world, a world that's compassionate and caring and loving and where people are concerned about people, not profits. And, and there, so, and again, the list just goes, you know, on and on and on of all of these wonderful people that are doing fantastic work. But I think that their focus is a little bit different. And what I'm hoping is that there'll be a little bit of a shift where people can see, ah, you know what, there's a key here. And that key is healthy relationships. And it's kind of uh, a step back and a little bit of a shift, not much. But I'm hoping that there's enough people that will pick up on that, that can see that and go, ah, here's the link that links all of these different things together. And um, whether it's the relationship with that we have with nature and our surroundings, whether it's the uh, relationship we have with ourselves or our immediate loved ones, that's really the core of it. And I'm hoping that people pick up on that. See, what I'm hearing you say there, Mark, if I'm hearing correctly, is very much around a vision around you know not using the over cliched word of leaving the world a better place but mm -hmm. essentially mm -hmm. just that and mm -hmm. certainly from my own struggles of, of working towards that and I don't mean on a personal level but I mean understanding and accepting that no one person will do that no matter how powerful or eminent mm -hmm. he or she may be but it is mm -hmm. going to be a collectiveness that that does that and maybe mark maybe part of that vision forming uh, 
involvement is to actually get the you know the world's great movers and shakers together under one umbrella with something really really simplistic as that you know that vision statement we will change the world because mm-hmm. I think there are many many people I agree with you that throughout the world that are doing great things on their particular strand undoubtedly mm-hmm. but yeah in some respects, Mark, and I, and I talk in a sort of global sense, and I ask this as a question kind of rather than make it as a statement, but they do so in in relative isolation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like, for example, the music industry, filled with people that are caring, filled with people that are compassionate, that really want to make a change. Um, you look at the different efforts that have been, the enormous amount of effort that's taking, that it takes to put together, for example, a musical festival to support uh, a particular cause. So the, the the thing that springs to mind immediately is Bono and his work, which he does tremendous work trying to relieve some of the poverty and suffering in the third world, particularly towards debt relief. And that has become kind of his thing. But he was part of an effort where they gathered a bunch of different musicians together and super, super high profile people. And uh, they were all, you know, gathered together to try and raise funds for this particular effort to uh, alleviate poverty in this one. I think it was a disaster in India or something anyway, but whatever I think was, I can't recall. And I'm bad with that. (laughs) My memory is shot when it comes to these things, but um, I'm not good at the pop culture stuff. Anyway, um, the, the point of it just is that, yeah, there's so many people trying to do this stuff, but they don't, uh, it just seems like the effort is towards, things that are not making fundamental changes. They're, they're focusing on things that they're working towards these wonderful goals. They're, they're really giving their heart to it and doing everything they can, but it just is not shifting the bulk of humanity. It's not shifting the large numbers of people that are gonna be required that will demand things change. And that's where that's where that Uh, hope of mine comes from of that vision and value thing that people will embrace a new set of values. They're they're already there. I think most people in their heart, um, there's nobody that wants dirty water for their kids or or dirty air. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants poisoned soil, but you, you've got to, um, you know, nobody wants to live in an unhealthy community with mental illness and crime and the rent. Nobody wants that. Um, you don't want it for yourself. You don't want it for your kids. You certainly don't want it for your grandkids. But to make that change requires that you consciously choose a set of values and that you consciously make an effort to achieve that vision of the world you do want. And that's where it comes in of that we need, you're absolutely right, we need a unified effort. We need to get everybody on the same page and saying, we need to change these kinds of relationships. We have to do this before people will unify and demand that the structures that control power, the governments, the corporations, uh, these are what have to be changed in the way they do business and the way that they operate the world. And that will happen when enough people say, enough, we need a change. We're not satisfied with the way things are. We demand a change. And that's what's going to have to happen for serious change to take place. It is, Mark, but I also believe that somebody throughout this great planet of ours needs to metaphorically push that first domino down. And that's to me, the epitome of leadership, that somebody where he or she will stand up and it doesn't necessarily initially have to be on a global stage just to say, well, hang on, you know, as you've said already, you know, we have all the pieces of the jigsaw in this box, but mm-hmm. we're not we're not knitted together. We're all doing invaluable work to, to whatever degree in our mm-hmm. own little world, community, environment, call it what you will, which is invaluable. Mm-hmm. But it is that... For me, Mark, that some of the individual parts becomes greater than the whole. And we are pieces in a jigsaw and it needs somebody to pull them together and create that beautiful picture for a better world. 
that's where I focus my attention. That's where I get excited speaking to people like you that I call fellow warriors. And mm-hmm. because that will, in my humble opinion, and I feel this and it's not just that humble opinion makes it sort of thought stroke, almost ego driven. It's not. It's, it's a passion and a fire from within Mark, that, that's unexplainable. You know, um, it's mm-hmm. that raison d'etre, that vocation, call it what you will. So when I mm-hmm. hear the words that you're saying, not only do I believe in them, but I absolutely am convinced from within, from an emotional, real deep-seated emotional point of view, that that is the way forward. Begs the question, who's going who's gonna to push that first domino down so the rest mm-hmm. of the, the collective warriors follow and we do leave the world a better place? Right. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you 100%. It's, a, it's not about ego at all. Um, I, I, don't, I don't really care at all. If people never remember my name or don't even know who I am, I could, I could care less. It doesn't matter. My, I'm, I'm so happy. My own personal life is wonderful. I can't complain a bit. Um, it would just be whining if I said anything at all, you know. Uh, and yet, you're right. It's going to take... Um, we have the we share these same values we want a world that's compassionate and caring and kind we want a world that's healthy that's going to make our children happier than we were we want a world where people are prosperous we want a world without need and we it is possible we have it we have we've created a society that generates i mean we waste so much we could feed the world on the waste um i was reading in the economist of london just the other day britain throws away 20 million tons of food that are as table scraps every Mm -hmm. year. And it's just a shocking kind of number, really, when you think about that. How many people could you feed with 20 million tons? And so when, when you, which it just boggles the mind, you can't even picture the mountain of food that that represents. But, um, that's the kind of thing that that uh, you're right. It's a leadership issue, and it is very vexing because you've got to first decide what it is that you're going to, you know, prioritize as the key, and then after that, you've got to get everybody to kind of come on the get on the same page. And wow, you know, that's a, that is a challenge, no question. Um, I just want to interject one thing that I don't know if you're familiar with his work. He's, he's kind of an obscure figure. Um, his name is D Hawk, H O C K. And I love his work. And he wrote a book, um, which, uh, is a, it, I'll just give you the term he uses, which is chaotic, uh, C H A O R I D I C chaotic. And it means order out of chaos. And the thing that D Hawk, who he helped found visa international, the, the, credit card company. He, um, his insight, which is brilliant, is that self-organizing systems operate on some very simple principles and it enables things like the brain, the way the brain is organized, the way the internet is organized, the way your immune system functions is organized this way. There is no hierarchy. There is no central organizing principle. What it is that, what it is that helps these functions achieve or these systems achieve enormously complicated tasks and and do them very very well is that all of the members know precisely what it is they need to do that's what defines membership is this is what this group does and to be a member this is what you do and so if your goals are unified and everyone knows what it is they need to achieve and they all are willing to assume a leadership position they all do what's necessary they do the creative work they do whatever they got to do to achieve the goals of that group and that is what defines membership that is what a self-organizing system is based on so if you look up dehawk's work and you kind of get a better grasp i didn't do that good a job unfortunately of describing it but the beauty of his work is that that is really at the core of what it is we need to do is to create this self-organizing system where everyone sees themselves as a member and at the same time takes a leadership role in making the goals of the group 
uh, to, to work to achieve them. That, that, to my way of thinking, is really at the core of what we need to do. And, uh, yeah, it's a challenge. <laughs> There's no question. It's not going to happen easily, that's for sure. But the... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for, Mark? The, the alternative isn't easy either is it it's a bit like happiness no. happiness is so he easy and it's so pleasurable and it's so warm and it's so mm-hmm. loving and it's so natural but mm-hmm. you know as we've consistently said through through certainly our first conversation mark where we dug down on your book lasting happiness and and we've already started kind of reaffirming that you know it's there it's easy why do we make it hard so i use that same maxim really to say in the context of what we've just speaking around you know no mm-hmm. it's not going to be easy but the alternative is to carry on the way we are now and live in pain and live in darkness mm-hmm. and live in mm-hmm. suffering you know mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be that way does it it really doesn't no no, no. and it's as simple as reaching out to i think to my way of thinking, it starts at home. And if you reach out to the people that are right around you, your immediate neighborhood, your immediate community, um, and of course, again, beginning with yourself, that is where it has to happen. Mm. And it, it, that is where the change needs to begin. And uh, Dostoevsky said this, and I love this quote, beauty will save the world. And that is at the heart of it, that you turn something ugly into your immediate neighborhood or immediate surroundings and you make it beautiful. And if everybody did that (laughs) with the things that bothered the most, boy, wow, you want to talk about transformation. And we're surrounded by examples of people doing just that, of saying, you know what, I'm not going to accept this anymore. I'm going to change this. I'm going to transform this. And that is where it has to begin, is the things that bother you immediately the people that we are talking to that you reach and that's a wonderful thing you're doing by the way that's a tremendous change of reaching out with this uh knowledge that you've gathered from many different sources and reaching out and touching people's lives immensely important really really valuable service that you're doing and uh, by doing that you know we need to reach people that are listening and say listen begin that be willing to do that. Take that step. And again, you mentioned Kaizen, an absolutely vital, a tiny little step in the right direction is still a step in the right direction. And so no matter how small that effort, like a tiny kindness that you show somebody, a tiny effort to make somebody else's day a little bit better, or begin with yourself, a little tiny effort to make your own day a little happier, a little tiny change that will make your own day more pleasurable. Whatever it is that you need to start at, begin. Don't hesitate. Begin that step and begin that journey. And if we all do that, and we're all working towards making the world a beautiful place, a better place, especially with our immediate surroundings in our own immediate life, then that is where the change will come from and emerge from and as long as all of us together because everybody listening i think we share that we share those values because you wouldn't be listening otherwise and so all of us together that have that vision and have those values we need to begin and and start transforming the world around us and making it a better happier place it's the only way it's going to work absolutely just on the kaizen um, Kaizen, the continuous improvement philosophy, Mark. You mentioned this on the first uh, on the first episode, episode sixty that we did um, when we was talking about your book, Lasting Happiness. And for me, it just brought the memories flooding back because I actually studied this when I decided to enter the weird and wonderful world of academia. Uh-huh. And the, as I say, the continuous improvement philosophy of it. Being mainly, and it was on the back, um, W. Edwards Deming, who I believe was an American, that mm-hmm, went over mm-hmm. to the Japanese and the Second World War and absolutely transformed that country because mm-hmm. of his approach to systematic quality management. What mm-hmm. I took from that, Mark, was if you can do that to processes, why can't you do it to people? And that's been a big sort of indelible question mark that that's driven me forward so you know that kaizen 
uh, and I think quoting verbatim was a long time ago now, but something along the lines, and please correct me, Mark, if I'm off, off track here, but something along the lines of yesterday's exceptional performances will barely suffice for today, but not be good enough for tomorrow. Have, have I kind of <laughs> encapsulated that from memory okay? Yeah, Mr. Mr. Deming had some interesting insights, and he did uh, his career there in Japan was impressive yeah that's that's a good that's a good summary i i think um the part the part of kaizen that to me um it resonates and but i i do hear you i do and and you know there's there's many different aspects of the philosophy so there's a lot of different things people can get out of it but to me it's just that that um the tiny first step that evolves into something huge that that beginning the journey, no matter how small it the start, ultimately leads to your goal. And that's the part of Kaizen that resonates because I see so many people that don't take that first step, that just hesitate and they, they're stuck. And it's like, no, nah, no, nah, it's okay. It doesn't matter that it's tiny. It doesn't matter that it's small. It doesn't matter that it, it is uh, insignificant in the larger scheme. It, what matters is that you begin acting. And the lack of action, the being trapped in a state you don't want to be in and not will be, and be unwilling to make the changes. That to me is, is at the core of this, that you've got to be willing to act. You've got to be willing to take that first step. And if you can do that, you'll begin the journey, but you have to act. And so many people don't, they just stay stuck. Now the people that we're listening to, we're kind of preaching to the choir because we're already talking to people that have taken the step of being willing to listen to uh, some really complicated material and are willing to tune into, you know, find your podcast and listen to it. And that's, that's a big step. So I think we're kind of preaching to the choir, so to speak, uh, people that are already committed to our way of thinking, but nonetheless, um, it bears repeating. It's worth repeating that, yeah, absolutely. That prince of the principles of Kaizen apply, and that you know, it's it's all about making those changes. Yeah, I mean, I don't get exact breakdowns, uh, Mark, in terms of the demographics of the podcast, but I know that the audience is a global one, uh, literally mm. from north to south to east to what I mean, you name it. All four corners of the globe are covered. Mm. Um, so maybe, um, and I am going to start opening this up um, to ask for people to, you know, from putting stuff out there to actually mm -hmm. give me, you know, give me, give us loads of feedback. Give us your mm -hmm. thoughts. Give us your opinions. Because mm -hmm. whilst I understand what you're saying there, Mark, in terms of that preaching to the converted, so to speak, I don't know uh, if I actually agree with that. I think there's a lot of people from my awareness that listen to podcasts generally that actually mm -hmm. do so because they look to be informed. They look for that leadership, rightly or wrongly, they perceive it as that more authoritative voice or insight into whatever that given topic is. And mm -hmm. that's a massive generalization. So respectfully, Mark, I challenge that insight around podcasts. And, and that's why I'm so passionate about mastering life as a concept but right. that is that's kind of hitherto been on an individual um, focus, which is you say, you know, spreading happiness starts with the self, then the neighbor next door and then the street around mm -hmm. the corner and then the next city and, and, you know, and so on. It's that proverbial pebble in the pond, isn't it? It is. It is. Um, and I'm, I, I like that. That I like that challenge. That's good. I really do. I really, I, I really, really hope. Uh, and I don't know enough to be able to, to speak intelligently on the subject. To be honest with you, uh, I'm just guessing. But yeah, I would love that. That's that's a very hopeful thought that we're reaching people that are sitting on the fence or searching. Um, certainly, there are people that are searching. That's why they're listening. But uh, the the folks that are have not made up their mind yet, or the folks that are still thinking and trying to decide what it is that is the best way forward. And certainly, I really do hope that we do reach people like that Paul and that that's where change has to begin no question that's the people we need to reach and that's where change has to begin happening to make the world that we all 
uh, want, that we all seek for a world where we, our children really are better off than, than we were, um, a world where, you know, the environment is healthy and we begin to restore nature instead of tear it down, a world where there is less violence and cruelty and there's more compassion, a world where we do share the excess and we do share prosperity and there's tolerance and, and uh, inclusion. And this is the kind of world I think, and I, I certainly would hope that, you know, the majority of the world shares this vision, but that a world that is more compassionate and kind, and that uh, is my vision. And I know I'm not alone. Um, John Lennon, I love his uh, quote in that song, Imagine, where he just says, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm not alone. I may be a dreamer, but I'm not alone. <laughs> and it's like, John, we're all holding up the lighter there for you, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. But I think, Mark, certainly from the conversations I'm having on, on many levels with many different people, the world now is craving, almost desperate for change. Um, yes. Because, you know, the tried and tested, inverted commas, it's just not working. You know, I won't use the phrase broken because I don't believe that. But it's certainly in a very fragmented state. And I think that simplicity, you know, not being a world leader in a, in an academic sense, somebody that can write amazing papers around the, you know, the theory of this or the theory of that, for me is not where it's at anymore. You know, and I speak as a, a label that people consistently place on me, Mark, called an academic. I don't mm. own it. I reject it. And I reject it because my experience has been that of the world is around hearts it's you know it really is and i think that there's there's becoming a a big alignment now with people as i say born out of frustration born out of pain born out of suffering that says do you know what the theories don't work anymore i just want to live i just want to love i just want to be happy that's mm -hmm. not too much to mm -hmm. ask show me how mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and absolutely um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of really focused, Mark. This is why I get very excited when, you know, speaking to, to like-minded warriors around, you know, so what is the next book? I mean, you know, obviously, Mark, the, our initial introduction was around Lasting Happiness, the book that's going out at the moment, and sort of not sort of being pushy or preempting anything in the future. But what, what's your next one, Mark? The next one is actually a young adult novel. And um, it's about rejoining the family of living things. And it's kind of interesting. You say that next step, and I agree. And uh, what it is, it's just a story about a little girl, and uh, an Indian girl. And um, she's able to communicate with animals. And an the animal kingdoms kind of come to her. They send representatives, and they beg her. And they say, listen, we just can't take this anymore. <laughs> the natural world is a the order of the natural world is collapsing. Um, ecosystems are collapsing and uh, you're killing them. <laughs> and so please, the, the animals beg this little girl and they say, please, please intercede. You're, you know, and, and there's a backstory behind all of this, of course, but the essence of it is that they convince her to convince all children around the world to be that generation that makes that change and decides to rejoin the living world as a member of a family and not as a dominant parasitic destructive force in nature. And that's that, uh, that's the next novel. Although it's the only novel that I'm going to have published actually, because I usually write nonfiction, but that's the next one. And the, the, the heart of it is of human beings consciously saying, yes, we need to become part of a family. We are part of a family. We're part of the family of living things, but we don't behave like that. We don't like behave like we're a member of a family. We behave like the, like the psychopathic uncle that lives by himself in a shack and destroys <laughs> everything. <laughs> yeah. You know, when you look at our relationship with the living world, oh, you just shudder and you recoil from it. And it's because we're so destructive and so toxic in so many ways. And people don't, again, you draw it back to simple things and awareness is so crucial. 
I don't think people are really conscious or aware of just how destructive industrial society is and just how deeply ill it is. And um, we are relying on processes in the daily life that we live that we desperately need to be changed. And if we don't do that, if we don't make those conscious choices and changes, our, our way of life is not going to be uh, existent much longer. Uh, the, the systems that we depend on have despoiled the world. And the, the oceans, just to give one small example, the oceans are denuded to fish. We've, we've wiped out the majority of um, the different food chains in the ocean to satisfy uh, the demand for fish. And so what's left are some radically changing, people don't realize this, but the oceans are changing radically. There's many parts of the oceans that are empty of living things. Mm -hmm. There's many parts of the oceans where there are no more fish. And um, we've denuded the oceans, which is an amazing, uh, I mean, it's horrific, but it's also amazing that we've been able to have that kind of impact. And that it's not just the oceans, it's everywhere. Um, industrial society, well, I mean, it is what it is. We know we've poisoned the oceans, we poison streams, we poison the land, and we're doing it. Uh, I mean, I can't even, they don't even keep count of how many billions of tons of toxic poisons emerge from all of the different industrial processes. And we don't keep track of it, but it has an impact. And these are the kinds of things that we need to address and change. And we need to do it from a perspective of health and of caring and saying, we don't have to do it this way. There are alternatives. We just have to demand those alternatives. And again, to bring it all back, it's a relationship. It's a relationship with humans and nature. And that's really the core of the next book. But, um, and I'm sorry, I got off on of topic on that. But the, the essence of it really is relationships with um, the people around us and, and with our environment. And we want that to be a healthy one. And I don't think there's anybody that's sane that doesn't want that for themselves and their kids. But it, it does require that you make some changes. And that's the sticking point for, for many, many people. I'm going to start to wrap it up now, Mark, and I want you to have the final word. But before you do, I just want to to come in with a thought around that proverbial next book scenario or a book in the future. And for mine, speaking to people like yourself, inspiration with inspirational thought leaders, as, as I view them, warriors, um, mine would be, uh, and just a few simple words to give it some vision, some title, our purpose, a legacy mm. of a better world. And that ultimately, surely, and along the way, be happy, by the way. Enjoy the journey. You have to, because otherwise you're just ticking boxes. So for the purpose, <laughs> Mark, what is that? To leave the world a better place. The prosperity is around happiness and the philanthropy is around the legacy of leaving the world a better place. They would be my three pillars, and that's why I propound purpose, prosperity, and philanthropy. Over mm. to you, Mark, for the final words. All right, fantastic. And again, I, I really appreciate this opportunity, Paul. Thank you so much for hosting me and allowing me to be on your show. It has meant a great deal to me. Um, I, I again, I would I would love to reach out to your listeners and just um, keep it really simple. Think about those relationships, starting with the one with yourself. That's where happiness begins. And so I would urge you to just begin being a little bit kinder to yourself and begin being a little bit kinder to the people around you and let that ultimately flower into something with it, which results in a transformed life. And that's, uh, that's the essence of the book of uh, giving you these tools to do that. But that would be my gift and my hope that listeners would take away from this would be that it does begin with healthy relationships and just be willing to be a little bit more kind and compassionate to yourself and others. And that's what I urge. And, and I hope that that uh, resonates with people. Superb. So just refresh our memories, Mark, if people want to get in touch with you, follow you, buy the book, what, what's the contact details? 
Uh, please visit at lastinghappiness.net, and the book is available everywhere. You can get it on Amazon, Kobo, iTunes, uh, Barnes & Noble, wherever you want to shop. But I, I would love to have a conversation with listeners. And so please visit the website, lastinghappiness.net. There's a comment section on every page, and I will respond. I would love to have a conversation with you. So if you have thoughts you want to share, um, you want to... Uh, work something out, something you disagree with even. I love to have critique. Um, I'm, not a, I'm not a wilting flower at all. <laughs> if you want to <laughs> criticize harshly, I love that because it, that's what initiates change. That yeah. conversation saying, now this is terrible. This change this. I'm like, all right, let's talk about that. And uh, so I hope that that happens. Superb. So listeners, there you have it. Mark Hoy from Tucson, Arizona. Sincerely hope you've got some value, some insights some thought-provoking ideas from, from our conversation. I certainly have, and I'll reflect upon it very deeply. So gratitude to one, one and all. Until the next time, keep loving, keep learning, and keep mastering life. Thanks for listening to the Mastering the Game of Life podcast. Drop a line to paul at paullowhearts.com with any thoughts or questions you may have, and he'll be more than happy to respond. Alternatively, check out Paul's website at paullowhearts.com or any of his social media feeds under the same name. Remember, mastering life starts by embracing our hearts.